man in the mirror, my hero. He helped me send him my ego. And I think I'm bad like Michael. He bring me back down to Tito. Man in the mirror, my hero. He helped me see like an ego. He helped me hear enemies cry wolf. Then he see me take off my sheep clothes. I still love the ideals. Alright, we're back once again, folks. Live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And welcome back to How You Living, episode 70. 70. Live from the Chaz Tower in the $500,000 below the million dollar studios. Just a chill it out room. How you living, Chaz? You know what? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, I was thinking recently, because uh, I've been binging a lot of Netflix I really think that uh, Marie Kondo and the Fab Five should come together and do Queer Eye X uh, tidying up with Marie Kondo, something like, I don't know, like Queer Eye Con Mari or something. I think that would be hilarious, but also a good thing to see. And that's just how we're starting this week, guys. A (laughs) a pitch from Chaz to the people at Netflix. Uh, And yeah, man, we're living here in late March. Uh, I've also been binging some Netflix. I watched that F1 series. Oh, that was so good. Drive to Survive, which follows last season's uh, F1 teams, uh, minus mostly input from Mercedes and Ferrari, the top two teams. But the rest of the teams participated in full, and it was a really interesting look in a a sport that travels the world annually. Yeah. And just kicked off a couple weeks ago in Australia. And we'll be right back in, uh, I think, Azerbaijan. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, or Bahrain, one of the two, uh, coming up next week. So Nice. But yeah, um, here at How You Live In, we're not just about Netflix shows. Uh, we're also about things we've talked about in previous episodes and other things that we've discussed in a segment we like to call Callbacks. <laughs> That's right. callbacks. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, hearing callbacks this week, um, I guess shout out back to when we've brought up the Miller probe at any point. Uh, they definitely released the memo, um, which pretty much today, uh, saying that uh, Robert Mueller didn't find any direct evidence connecting the Trump administration and uh, campaign with uh, the Russian kind of plot to get him elected uh it doesn't like necessarily clear him altogether um it kind of shows some of his bad choices and dealings in the types of people he surrounded himself with for sure for sure um but it does seem to uh you know it it makes it it's going to be harder as a criminal case to use this particular evidence against trump so we're going to have to look for something else uh on the impeachment trail and uh and it, it does open our eyes, though, to the workings of his campaign and, and what was going on. And, you know, I think sometimes as as this uh, type of thing gets digested and people get to see it and kind of run it in their mind and how they saw things happen, we'll probably see some things shake out of the uh, the details. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, I heard some criticisms of it that uh, it kind of uh, punted some things to Congress and uh, knowing where the Senate is with everything, that might not everything actually be coming out to light. And I also heard that it doesn't it exonerates him. I guess when it comes to like like you said, direct one to one involvement with Russia, but it doesn't um, it it doesn't conclude if he did not obstruct. 
okay. uh, when it was trying to like you know trying to find out about Russia or everything like that. So that obstruction thing will go to Congress, and I mean, as let's see, the House will probably try to do their best with it, but I don't know the inner details to see if that House can do anything with it and investigate it further, or if that's something the Senate has to do. But based on some criticisms, people seem woefully they woefully upset uh, at maybe Mueller could have been a little more thorough. Even though it took 22 months, it still feels like some people feel like he could be more thorough. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, I like I said, it, it's going to be interesting what comes to light and kind of, I'm sure even the details they think that aren't incriminating, under the proper kind of understanding, it, it'll probably seem more incriminating in the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There might be things we not, we might not be able to take him to trial on, but just in his actions and things, we'll look at it as like suspicious. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? And and so that in itself might be a value um, added to this whole process, and and kind of paint the the whole campaign in a light that um, is more accurate to to what was going on, if not a direct. Um, collusion as it were with russia um still a shady kind of business mm-hmm. so anything else that's been kind of rolling around the news that you've seen that is something we've been discussing in the prior episodes of our show Chaz? you know what nothing that comes to mind right away it's uh, it's been a slow news week for me so there could be some things going on that i'm, I'm missing out on I mean, other than, like, we, we haven't done an episode since the Christchurch shooting. But I feel like at this point in time now, like, well, one, it wasn't here in America. Right. But, two, we have episode 35 where we talked about it. So anytime there's, like, a mass shooting, I'm just like, go back to episode 35. Right. All right. And that's probably the only callback-ish. Right. Like, it, it, there's gun and, violence. you know, our hearts go out to their victims mm-hmm. and, the, and the families and the, and the communities that were affected by that. And, um, you know, in kind of a broad strokes um kind of look at what we've talked about you know real teeth in um in gun uh banning and gun kind of sales restrictions is is a way of of adopting strategies that can prevent getting guns in the hands of uh extreme people um and it sounds like uh New Zealand uh pretty much passed a a ban on these assault rifles mm-hmm. within a week of the event so, oh yeah so uh you know and Obviously, our government is known for being slow. It's kind of actually designed that way. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, yes, it wouldn't happen here. And But at the same time, it does show that we have spent a long time, a long enough time even for our government to have come up with some type of um, sensible way to deal with guns in our country. And the fact that we haven't just shows that we have an inept government to some degree. And, yeah. and, no, we have the Second Amendment, and we have the NRA as lobbyists that usually will get pro-gun laws in uh, rather than anti-gun laws in. Right. But I'm saying, like, so in New Zealand, I mean, this happened in a week. I'm not I'm not asking our government to be able to do changes like this in a week. But, and, but they could. We've spent five years, you know, trying since, you know, other tragedies. And then just a year and a half since the most recent one here. And, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting looking, uh, obviously... Uh, a, a government the size of New Zealand's on a country with their population, uh, things definitely move a lot faster. There's less at stake to a degree when it comes to the impact that it's going to have on like hundreds of millions of people as opposed to their situation, which is probably tens of millions of people. So Yeah, well, I mean, I guess what I want to say is I, I don't think you can fast track a bill in, in our house if people want because it's been done before. 
And so I don't think fast-tracking a bill of that sort is being held up by the system of bureaucracy, but being held up by sentiments of Americans who don't want that to happen. Right. Well, or at least representatives. Mm-hmm. Sentiments of Americans' representatives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we'll see in the future as, as time goes on, um, you know, these uh, events are definitely becoming all too common. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we said, you know, episode 35, here we are, episode 70, and we still just refer back to it because it's like, it's it's kind of the same storyline. It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, lives are lost and, you know, life goes on for us and mm-hmm. we have to kind of look at it as, as an opportunity to learn or to, to adjust some strategies, you know, over here in America, discuss endlessly without much change. Indeed. I mean, I, I was watching The Fix on Netflix because I've been binging lots of Netflix. <laughs> I think they're sponsoring this episode. <laughs> and they did an episode on gun control, and it was it's a comedy show. And I think they try their damnedest to be offensive, So, and it can be hilarious for that. But Is, is that Jimmy Carr? Is he The Fix? I think is he like he's a scottish kind of british <clears throat> yeah yeah he says he sounds british but he's scottish that, yeah. well, at least that's what he said on the show okay and it's the one with dl hughley on one side usually and um oh i can't even remember the woman's name at the moment but she's not somebody i know generally speaking right but our boy ron funches was on it twice nice so shout out to ron right, right? so that was cool uh but yeah they did a whole thing where i believe one dl hughley's uh what is it? Fix for gun control was have everybody join the NRA and <laughs> then turn the NRA into like a pro lobbyist group, right? Because yeah. apparently, so what's really good about the show is um, they have a British correspondent named uh, Mona Chalabi. Okay. And she has worked for like The Guardian, I believe, and also the BBC. So she'll come in and she'll give the stats and she'll kind of give you context of what actually happened. So just like jokes. How do you feel about this? Mona Chalabi, come in and tell us the facts. And then she'll tell us the facts. And, right. And then they go in and make really silly solutions. But I guess, you know, it, it's something. It's not meant to be a real fix. It's just meant to be a sarcastic and fix. You, and you get all that for just ten ninety nine a month. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And, and for a little extra, you can get red envelopes delivered to your door. <laughs> Netflix. Because why not? Uh, that'll help for, you know, next year when we're pitching our new show on Netflix. We mm-hmm. can, uh, we can look back to this episode. We'll do a call back to episode 70 when we fake sponsored the whole show by Netflix. <laughs> but no, that's interesting. Yeah, I I, have, I mean, you've been seeing that. They have uh, another Netflix show. They have Patriot Act. Oh, I love that show. So, you know, they're definitely uh, they're they're allowing comedy to have different voices and and different opinions on very kind of more serious issues. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of expanding the scope of what we've always had with The Daily Show to um, – to go to some other types of voices, not people that are just going to fit this mainstream Viacom mm-hmm. 11:30 kind of slot, but people that might, like you were saying, maybe lean on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we've we've talked at times ad nauseum about um, comedy and offensiveness and like where you draw lines and like uh, it. It is good that Netflix, being mostly unedited for those types of situations, allow for. Um, those voices to be heard and those opinions like DL Hughley sometimes on that show may not have the most popular opinion, um, mm-hmm. but his opinions are allowed to be aired, you know, and, and, and he definitely has an interesting, uh, you know, kind of viewpoint, you know, in how his kind of rise and fall and rise again in the, in the eye of the public, as well as kind of his, um, 
you know, rise economically. You know? Oh yeah. So he's he's seen it from the bottom, trying to scrape by, all the way up to selling out, you know, nearly arenas and things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it's a good show, and and I think that's kind of like the conversation we want people to be having is that type of conversation where ultimately you look at the facts and the numbers, but you you attempt to kind of understand and digest these really uh complex and important issues of our time that we we don't always take the time to to discuss because for some reason we all we're afraid of being offended or we're afraid of other people kind of knowing our opinions in ways that Mm -hmm. that might be different than their own so yeah watch watch the fix watch patriot or uh listen to npr or democracy now and (laughs) and 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 kind of get Get your get your voice from different sources. You know, watch Fox News. Hear what they're saying. What, yeah. What is their argument? You, you know <clears throat> what? I kind of want to like before we go into the main show. I kind of want to go on a rant a little bit because I'm actually really annoyed by the phrase mainstream news now. Now that I've been like we've been hosting this right. for like two and a half years, and for the show, I would go to various news sources and listen to them, and I'm like, you can do that too. Right, but my also my other gripe with it is like especially in some groups where they want to treat it with like a level of intellectualism is like well, well, like if you present them with something that is clearly coming from like one person's strong bias, they'll be like, "This is a strong bias. Don't even look at that." But if they send something like that's equally from a strong bias from the other side, it's taken seriously. And I'm just saying, like, if you know it's a strong bias, then you should point out where the strong bias is and why this might cloud your judgment on the matter. But if you really want a full breadth of a story, I feel like you should be both going on, like, Al Jazeera and BBC just to get the fucking facts. Like, what happened? Because they'll just tell you what happened. No spin, no whatever. Then I would go to something like The Economist and National Review to kind of see what the center-left and center-right people are saying about it. Right. And then I would go to more, like, cultural spaces like The Roots or – well, if I wanted a more, like, center-left view, I might go to Vox. Um, if I wanted more center right, I'd go to National Review. Um, and then after that, if I wanted like something pointed, I would try to go to some sort of, uh, what's it called, publication or online website that specifically deals with that. Like if a black person got shot by the police, I would go to the root. Right. right. If it was LGBT issues, actually, I don't have a good LGBT issues website. So you would look one up, find find yeah. some, something that seemed credible or had, had a, a wide... Uh, range of people reading it and, mm-hmm. and then go to that source yeah no and i and i and i think that's true and i i, I took a class on on media influence which at this point now is 10 years old so it's kind of out of date as far as how we're even digesting media today being mm-hmm. it that the the smartphone revolution happened in that time oh yeah so everyone has a computer in their pocket now and so we're digesting news at all the time and that's kind of the rise of fake news and facebook as well where it's like people are just getting information on a screen and that looks with an authority and so they're kind of taking it as said authority without kind of having that background knowledge of the institution that's providing that information but um in that time when we studied media they talked about the bbc being pretty heavily regarded like you're saying as just kind of dispensing facts right also the australian free press oh okay is another one that is um especially on news outside of australia it's got a really good objective way of looking at the rest of the world mm. in a way that we can kind of digest here because, A, it's written in English. Yeah. But also because their only kind of non, their insular version is Australia. 
which is like this very specific place, you know? So the way <laughs> that they, true. the way that it, they're not England, which, which as much as it wants to be English is European. That's true. You know, um, or South Africa is South African. Australian is in itself uniquely set aside, mm-hmm. you know? And so for them to kind of have this look on everyone else, it doesn't mean that that look is, is accurate necessarily, but what it is, mm-hmm. is it's coming from one specific place. So you can kind of use that, perspective to kind of adjust your own thinking to be like okay well if someone in australia is thinking this about news in india or news in america or news in europe Mm -hmm. you know how do how does this affect me being where i'm from you know so i i I heard that as like a a good source of kind of a balanced news representation and then i guess mainstream at this point is a company who has a cable station. Oh yeah. And then also has a active web presence and is quoted and promoted on news aggregators the worldwide. You know, I think that's mainstream and I think that's probably BBC television news. Yeah. That's CNN, that's Fox News, you mm-hmm. know, Al Jazeera to a degree. Um yeah. So I, I, I think the phrase still has some like Meaning, if if it's implied in the right way, yeah. Because I don't really see Washington Post as mainstream media mm-hmm. because they're just focused on paper. They do have a website, but it, I don't know. It's kind, it's different than the cable news. To yeah, me, you know, running twenty four hours. Exactly. I was going to say the twenty four hour <clears throat> news networks are definitely the ones I think of when I think of mainstream media. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't get my news. From I think I think the next tier down that I would consider influential but not maybe in my mind uh mainstream would then be the new york times is the la times is the washington posts to a smaller degree the seattle times you know or maybe the houston chronicle yeah boston globe what's, what's the pennsylvania one examiner what do you guys got oh yeah i mean philly oh no the philadelphia inquirer is the one that philly i remember inquirer. okay um i like how they went with the one that's also the fake paper <laughs> <laughs> they're like national Enquirer or philly acquire i don't know both of them lie <laughs> yeah that's interesting well uh so yeah get 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 a look at where your news has come from folks and and don't be afraid to get what we're considering even the lower tier like bloggers and, stu- and oh, stuff oh yeah as long as you get an idea on the authority that they're yielding like mm-hmm. where are they from what is their perspective what is their life and then read it with that kind of intent Mm-hmm. And and you can you can get truth out of it. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Because definitely. Um, so I feel like if you want like far far right things, you can go to like Reason dot com or Quillette. Um, if you want to see where how they're really reacting to kind of the the zeitgeist of the you know SJWs and identity politics and all that. If you want, um, I feel like Medium is the neutral zone where you can find something from the left or the right, but it's usually when someone wants to do something really impassioned and send it everywhere. Like, I think two Medium articles that I found really enlightening was, one, um, I forget what after what shooting it was, but this dude basically went down and said it was... It was like a half an hour read, but he went through and said that this is why people want the AR-15. This is what it does, is what its utility is and all that. Like, yeah. And, you know, 42% of, of Americans own guns, so it made sense. And then the other one uh, was uh, when people were complaining, like, how are people actually being deported and what is the thing going on at the border? Like, kind of just listening through, like, no, Trump did this. Trump did this. 
uh, because of this practice, ICE did this. This is how it's affecting people. And I was like, oh, shit, this is a problem. Right. It does need to be handled better. Right. So, so yeah, it's – and I feel like you can get a gestalt of everything, but it is a little bit of work to find out, like, who you're listening to. Like, if I know I want to hear something more populist, I'm going to listen to Rush Limbaugh or – Dana Lash or something like that. If I some, want something more progressive, like you said, Democracy Now! is something I'm going to listen to. Um, and then there's also like the subculture thing, whatever subculture you're in. There's probably a podcast, maybe a radio show, maybe a YouTube channel, probably definitely a podcast and a YouTube channel, maybe not a radio show. Right. Radio seems to be mostly right wing things. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, and and uh and and then kind of articulate your own version of these lenses, mm-hmm. you know, cuz tr- the truth is kind of this mess in between all the perspectives. Oh you know? yeah. As accurate as somebody wants to be, it is still coming from them. Mhm. You know. So, but yeah, and that and with that, you know, you can you can try and uh attack some of these more complex issues. Uh I do think the knowledge and the and the base of the people who are participating in our elections and participating mm-hmm. in our um, society and in, in, in our like cities needs to know more and needs to be more informed and they need to know how they're being informed for sure and how those people that are informing them are are setting up their own authority and what mm-hmm. that authority is and means and what's behind it um, because I think that helps in a situation like Trump versus Hillary where it kind of felt like everyone just was trying to pick on what they thought was the lesser of two evils, Mm -hmm. you know? And instead of that, you know, if we had a more informed public, we would probably get candidates that were so closely representing what we want as people Mm -hmm. that it would be like, gosh, these guys are so great. I can't believe I get to pick one of them. Yeah. You know, and that would be a a dream election is that that's the kind of people that are speaking for us that are Mm -hmm. here to represent us that we understand and we know how they're informing us. Um, and, and not this like, well, I'm with him because I hate her. Or I'm with her because I hate him. Um, you know, standing on, on the information and, and the knowledge, because what we heard was a lot of, I mean, we like to quote the Trump ones with the lock her up and the whatnots, but what we just kind of heard were, were catchphrases mm-hmm. and, you know, we didn't really hear the information in, in, in terms that we can understand. And, you know, Trump didn't speak to places like Oregon and Washington as far as like our, our masses and the city populations. Mm-hmm. And then Hillary didn't speak to, you know, some of the blue collar kind of rust belt states that you have their own opinion about life and everything, you know, who probably get their news in different ways than they get in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I think just informing the the public at large and, and we can we can kind of work on on getting people that represent all of us, even if they're not necessarily the party that we align with, we still can feel represented by these people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, there's no, we have to get, we have to get through this fake news era. You know, we do have to figure out accuracy in news as a public, you know? Yeah. I I think that's a goal for our people. But like it, fake news is hyperbolic right by nature fake news does exist but fake news is somebody saying media has a bias and i don't like it right and if i don't like the bias that it presents it's fake news that's what it means in today's age and that's that's like 
sure, all media has bias. Right. Right? Like, that's the nature of media. It has the bias of the person who created it, and it also has the bias of what kind of opinion it's trying to make you have. Right. Right? But that in and of itself doesn't make it bad. So whenever whenever someone says fake news, they're just like, oh, I don't like the conclusion it's making, so I'm just going to... Because that's how Trump uses it. Right. And And that's why that's propagating right now. Like, it's really not fake news. It's just... I don't like the left. The left is propagating things I don't like. Let's call it fake news. Right. And that's like a very fascist thing. And the, but so, then there then there's also articles that people reference on Facebook and YouTube videos and things that are purporting um, ideas and information without fact. Mm-hmm. And they're utilizing um, kind of poor scientific method in producing their arguments. Yes, that's propaganda. Yeah. But it's also fake news because <laughs> it's if it's if it's if it's posting itself as like you know a uh, hundred daily news times mm-hmm. you know and then it's like eight out of ten gun control lobbyists you know hate their lives <laughs> like like it's just it, it they, mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen these articles that like the link you click on is longer than the headline um because oh, yeah. it's some very specific organization that only posts and populates these type of blog posts that get oh, spread yeah. around on social media in circles that they can promote to through the uh, ad situation at Facebook that we've learned. Mm-hmm. And so even though certain fake news sites that probably were very common during like the 2016 election have become um, you know, caught up in their web of like looking for ways to eliminate fake news, certain sites that are just like kind of harmless in seeming in nature, but mm-hmm. still deliver incorrect and inaccurate information to a public that wants it and shares it mm-hmm. is still there. You know, I'll still see people putting quotes up with like, what did you think of the whole, uh, uh, the videos having the, the, the Momo character. I don't even know what the fuck that was about. Like I, I I'm I'm dead ass. I don't even know what the fuck it's about. Right? right? Like I I I saw it. I'm like what I did not care enough to be like what are people freaking out about? I I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, well, right. And and so and so you know the generality that this this statue in Japan was being used in a video series to convince kids watching like their normal video series things mm-hmm. on YouTube and it would interrupt the video with instructions for them to hurt themselves or others. Oh shit. And uh and then the the image that was being used was this scary looking face that's part of this J- Japanese art exhibit. Oh, okay. So the photo was shared like 6 years ago by the artist, the sculptor, uh-huh. and then it got picked up by these kind of meme channels because it's uh, a really freaky okay. weird looking face. Yeah, yeah. And then basically a hoaxer created the uh scare tactic of this is the symbol of the thing that's being embedded in your children's videos. <sighs> I mean, it's essentially it's the anti-vaxxer movement of YouTube right now. It's uh, like because yeah. because YouTube put out a statement immediately saying, you know, we've 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 scoured our servers using all kinds of different algorithms and things, and we have not discovered a single video that includes any of the things that people are saying they include. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any up. We can even check all recent uploads, recent watched, all these things. Then they couldn't find it. And then other news aggregating sites came out saying the same thing. Like there, And so it came out the same day that it's being passed around to adult parents mm-hmm. on like radio and news websites. 
other websites that do like deep dives, Snopes and things, uh-huh. are coming out saying this is a total hoax. This was created to create the stir and scare. This is the intent. The intent isn't the actual videos. Now, since it being discussed like that to the world at nauseum, I guarantee some freaks out there are making these videos now. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, of course. Because now it's like an example for them. They're like, oh, we'll make it real. So in itself, somehow, in reality, it could exist. But not even in the way that's going to harm these kids because it's not going to end up on any of these websites under the titles that these kids' programming are under and be clickable in a way that YouTube won't catch them. Right. So so it's a it's a hoax. Maybe now some videos exist. But, but yeah, it's, it's just it's, – it, it, it became true because one website or two says it's true and then those sites get passed to news sites and then 8 million parents – pass it to their school districts school districts send out memos about this you know so people need to slow they roll yeah. like they need to take a step back and think about it just a little yeah. bit people i feel like people are a little too reactionary in our day and age it's it's the razor blade and the apples at halloween yeah there's no reported case of this happening and mm-hmm. yet you'll hear about it in like every community you know, poisoned candy is not something that really happens, but it's, you know. You know what? I guess I shouldn't be that surprised that misinformation spreads so easily now. But, I mean, because thinking back of how much misinformation I was fed when I was younger. Right. And how much misinformation I was fed when I was younger by adults who were dead-ass serious about believing what they were saying. Right. I mean, the four yeah. food groups. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was that was the government. <laughs> it's still people. It's yeah. still our teachers. It was still posters in health class. That's true. Yeah, like who needs six to eleven servings of bread, yo? <laughs> I mean, milk too. What about like, the lactose intolerance? So much milk. <laughs> A whole food group for milk. I know it was like dairy. They wanted you. They wanted you farting. Right, oh, like, man. why did you want you farting so much? I know what's going on. What's this methane lobby doing? Right. <laughs> oh man, that digress. Oh goodness. Yeah, I don't know. The food pyramid isn't any better, really. You know. And now, what do we have? We probably have like the 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 food diorama or like I, I think the uh, Venn diagram of food. I think Michelle Obama came up with something uh, as a part of like her healthy kids thing. It is. I had. Oh, I gotta look it up. Uh, it's probably like all fruit and vegetables and exercise. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. Like definitely, people know that you don't need a lot of protein anymore. So yeah, they definitely tell you only have like I think six, six or eight, maybe six ounces of protein or something. Right. Eight if you're a hungry man, right, right? or a hungry woman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's definitely changed, and I think because we understand so much about metabolism and nutrition and how to gauge those things, I think we're less like. I mean, people are still going to be prone to it because I didn't know that the food pyramid was bullshit until like three years ago. Right. So I just never followed that shit. I was just right. like, I eat with my heart. <laughs> but... <laughs> I eat with my heart. Oh, man. And, uh, that sounds like a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now that I know that, I'm just like, oh, okay, that makes sense, actually. I got to eat with my heart. <laughs> I got to eat with my heart. Uh yeah no I know I know well I mean now then the two thousand calorie diet and then they go well actually for most people it's fifteen hundred unless mm-hmm. you're different then it's three thousand <laughs> right like, yeah it, it's all about because I know like Michael Phelps he has to eat ten thousand calories a day right I'd probably do all right with fourteen hundred but you know because of all the chemicals and stuff in the food I eat and all the processed stuff I still feel hungry black eye. Uh-huh. Oh, 
Eat, eat, <laughs> eat with your heart. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no. So I get it that you're saying that, you know, even things like that for our nutrition and health, how we would be susceptible to, to fake news or to, to inaccurate news or to be stirred by, you know, 400 parents just message linked me this news article. It must, uh-huh. must be true, you know, um, and 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 we definitely see it a lot in opinion in opinionated memes now. Oh yeah, because that's like where the real political battle is being fought now. Is like on 4chan and Reddit, and it's all by meme, you know. And and meme culture because it's it's taking an idea. It's basically like like modern millennial political cartoon essentially. Oh but, yeah. But instead of like uh, a political cartoon where someone has to draw it and it has to like set up this kind of deeper meaning. It, it's it's just like some image that we're all used to seeing with you know words written over it that address what the intent is you know oh yeah and and then they still use just common shock value ones where it's like a picture of something and then their um impression of what they're what they want you to believe like from the right the abortion issue or oh um, yeah you know gun control and all that and then from the left it's you know climate change and um and what trump's doing mm-hmm. you know I follow one person on Facebook specifically because all they post are basically propaganda memes. They're, they they don't – you have to dig in to know that they're propaganda memes because they're definitely centered around right-wing ideas uh, and presenting them in a way that's kind of supposed to be a gotcha to leftists. Right. So, like, definitely following them. I'm just like, oh, I can see that propagating. Oh, I can see that propagating. And yeah, it's interesting. I'm always like, that's not right. But I see why people would believe that because you're getting them emotionally charged. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, because right now on the right, like, like there's definitely a fever pitch of uh, of pushing the uh, the quote unquote pro-life movement, you know. Yeah. Via um, meme, via Facebook post, via share. Like I'm definitely seeing it in in more kind of circles and um and i think that has something to do with the makeup of the supreme court oh it definitely does this has been a plan for 40 years yeah yeah and that they're starting to feel like there's the time has come as it were and like basically um let me see there's a, a few things I want to say about it. One, where like if it does get pushed back, it's one of those things that'll go back to the states. And then I remember a few weeks ago, the whole like see, and, and that that's the aggravating thing. Like, okay, let me see. I digress. Let me, let me maybe tell like a small story or like maybe a logic line. Uh, remember back when New York had came up with their abortion bill, and the, and then the people who are pro life. It seemed like if you would engage with them, they were always like, so if you run in there at the last minute and you say you don't want the baby, the woman's allowed to have that because this is what this allows. And people were like, no, no, that is a conflation of what is being said. But that propagated so hard, so hard. But then at the same time, um, I don't remember what state it was specifically. I think I know Kansas right now. I think it's all but illegal in Kansas for you to get an abortion now. I believe in Oklahoma, in order to get an abortion, you have to get permission from the father. All right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this is having some really big consequences in in the different states where one state, you know, bloom or liberal states are like, yeah, no, we understand the nuances of this. And, and that's what I feel like a lot of times being on the left can be hard is I want to go into every situation 
being like as logical and rational as I can be. Right. And I don't want to be hyperbolic and I don't want to trigger your emotions. Like, right. Like as an artist, one knows how to do that. Right. But it also gives you kind of a disingenuous view of what's going on. But I feel like when you go to the other side and you try to have a debate, and I'll put that in quotations, it's never really a debate because you're there for truth and they're there to rile you up. Right. It's like, it's like, no, that's not what the case. No, what do you mean that's not the case? Like, under this bill, if someone says they're mentally damaged and they're about to be dilated, they can abort the baby. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's, not what, mm. right? it's, and, it's the equivalent of the Momo thing. Yeah. They're like, there are videos out there harming <laughs> your kids. And people are like, there aren't really videos. There are. If there were, you support these videos? <laughs> right. Do you support these videos? You're like, there, but there aren't any videos. They're like, it's the same argument. You mm-hmm. Know? They're like, you know, 90% of the money that goes to Planned Parenthood is from abortions. And you're like, wait, what? Right, yeah. <laughs> that, that reminds me of, like, you know, the, the the reason why I'm like, Stephen Crowder can fuck right off. Like, I don't care if I don't know, change can... my mind. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, yeah. I remember... Stephen Crowder can fuck off. <laughs> or change my mind. <laughs> or change my mind. No, because he did. Like, I watched this whole thing where he tried to lie about um, the Canadian healthcare system. And this dude really broke down, like, where he was wrong and also kind of the nuance of socialized healthcare because Canada does it differently than Europe. Europe does it differently than France. So it's not like a one size fit all sort of thing. Right. Uh, but I remember he was like, he took this number and it was, and he said 97% of things at Planned Parenthood were abortions. Right. And that was wrong. That was wrong. You need the Mirastroika doll. It, it was 3% of the things that they do at, um, Planned Parenthood, and it was their own data. I think it was 2014, 2015. He was pulling it from, and it was something that Planned Parenthood sent out themselves. Right. And and then he said, of the 3% of, uh, and it had a more broader name, like it was, uh, I don't remember the broader name, but it was for like helping individuals who didn't know what they wanted to do with children if they were pregnant. And 97% of those things were abortions. With three oh, percent right. being other things, but he yeah. took that ninety-seven percent and conflated it to be ninety-seven percent of the things Planned Parenthood does is abortion. Oh my god, you don't like it? We're like, no, no, yeah. no, right? So a lot of my <clears throat> aggravation from the right, like outside of just like absolutely abhorring the blatant fascism and the capitulation of it to it from both sides, is like the just the amount of deliberate propaganda misinformation that is happening on there. And how many people are convinced by it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because most of the people that are watching Steven Crowder see the last part change my mind. And they go, why would I? <laughs> <laughs> so on point, you know. Uh, and he's a stir it up. He's a Momo video. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. he's, he's a, I'm going to show up at Texas Christian University again. And I'm going to do this thing. And yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see more from him. I'm sure. Uh, it, you know, it's weird because the right, like, you know, I've seen guys with the MAGA hats in Seattle and, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're grocery shopping. So that typically means, you know, they probably live in the area and like, like it, it, it it's showing they're, they're very proud of it now. And it's getting to the point where everyone used to say, you know, Seattle's liberal, Portland's liberal. If you look at the masses, if you look at the amount of people here who are in different income brackets than like the most people mm-hmm. and the people that own property or. You know, there's a lot of Trump-loving people in these cities like Seattle and Portland and Los Angeles and San Francisco. And just kind of now, two years in, 
are we seeing the kind of MAGA hat res- revolution where they're, it's, they're on the bus. It's almost every day someone on the bus. Really? Oh, yeah. I've seen. I've probably seen 20 this month. You've seen twenty mega hats this month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm not having yeah. That. And they and they now I know I, they have a the, 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 probably a mega hat two It's got a a U.S. flag on the side that says "Made in the USA." Oh, because I think for a while they were made in China. Oh, they were not made in America. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, of course not. Like, see, see, that's the thing. You, you know what? Maybe this is Chaz rants about shit that annoys him episode. <clears throat> right? Because. Wait, every episode? <laughs> 70? 70th one of that? Okay. Sure, that's what the show is. <laughs> Might as well. What were we doing the other 69? Uh, I mean, <laughs> trying to report on the news oh, while critiquing sh- it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Chaz rants. Okay, right. go ahead. <laughs> no. No, okay. Ch- Chaz rant number one. Go. <laughs> right. You know, it, it's. I was watching this uh, one video from Indubindo Studios on YouTube, and it was kind of. He started to break down kind of like fascism in one, but this one he was breaking down conservatism. And conservatism, uh, like he was saying, the difference. The liberals want to fix things via democracy, and the conservatives want to fix things through uh, capitalism. And it's kind of always this whole thing of like, kind of, uh, uh, what do you do when you when you have a dem- democratic capitalism? Is what he said America is, which makes total sense to me. And when you have them saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you can do that by working your ass off and making sure that you're marketable to the market," right? And so I feel like the contradiction there and the conundrum is that because of globalism, if you want to be a capitalist here in America, you use the strong fucking dollar and you lower your cost of goods by going overseas so you can increase your profit margin. Right. Like, yeah, I know made in America seems all feel good and shit. But if you're a real capitalist, you know, fucking good and well that it's too expensive to make shit like that here anymore. Right. All right. Like, I know. I know there's places that have a right to work, and if you tell people they have a right to work and they should take pride in their work, that it makes the right to work go down smoothly, even though it's bullshit. <laughs> but it, right. it's, <clears throat> so I'm always cracking out where it's like, if you want to be a capitalist, right, use your fucking internet dollars and go to fucking Indonesia and exploit that shit right because you know no because the most extreme people will tell you there is no ethical consumption in capitalism and and that's true so so we got to make t-shirts where on the front (laughs) it says capitalism on the back it says exploit that shit (laughs) exactly and then it's got a a tour the tour list and it's like indonesia (laughs) malaysia right like if anybody is straight up because i know there's got to be people out there who are like I want to be rich, and I think be or or the people. I feel like I'm sorry. I'm gonna try to create this archetype. But have you ever seen this dude? Has a really good smile, probably wearing some sunglasses, probably wearing a light colored uh, suit, and maybe even like a pastel color that kind of blends in with it. And they have an equally attractive partner, and those people are saying tell always the ones telling you that capitalism is the thing that brought so many million peoples out of poverty without ever mentioning all the bullshit it's done. Right? Like I'll agree with you that capitalism is good for some things, but don't don't try to pull the wool over people's eyes that like capitalism doesn't lead to exploitation of people. But then, of course, after watching. Um, 
Paul Krugman's uh, Economist video on Masterclass, he'll tell you, yeah, we are exploiting those people on that island, but it would be much worse off if we didn't exploit those people on that island. So what do you really want to do? And I'm like, the world's a mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, the world is a mind fuck. No, he, he, and he's right to a degree. Like, yeah, if they had the same opportunities as us, then mm-hmm. no, you wouldn't want to exploit them. But pretty much when we pull those corporations out, they have zero economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And, you know, do we then, um, as a nation of, uh, of morals and opinions, have the right to then come in there and just start by giving them living wage jobs on our terms? Um, and what, what kind of, uh, crisis of economy would that create? You know, if all of a sudden 10,000 people in your town were making really good money, like mm-hmm. 20 times what you were making and then, but there's not enough jobs. So what it like that, that would create riots as well, you know? So it's, it's, it's a strange thing, multinational corporations and, uh, you know, you, you buy an iPhone and you open it up. The first words say designed in California. Oh yeah. Not made. I, I have um uh, like I have one of those Pax vaporizers and it'll say designed in San Francisco, but it was made in China. Right. And then even if you just look at the whole like we never talk about what it takes to mine zinc in Africa. Like that's just yeah. That's that's even a thing where I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a thing. Don't think about it too much or you might hurt yourself. Yeah, open pit mines in different areas. I mean, we have them in Afghanistan. We have them mm-hmm. in, in Africa, in South America, and what it does to the water table and what it does to the indigenous people that either live there or to the, the locals or the civilians or the environment and the animals and the migration patterns. And, and it's endless, and it's it, a good portion of it is to fulfill the West's mm-hmm. uh, greed for products and services at a reasonable price, 24 hours a day. 365 days <laughs> right? a year. Yeah, yeah. And and that livelihood is built on the backs of those of those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. And and you can can a Republican look himself in the eye and say make America great again without knowing what he's also saying is continue to make some of these other places terrible still. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean like if you like nobody's going to bring because no business person is going to bring manufacturing back. Like you can Hoorah all the fucking world. But if you are like really in the business, well, w- w- what I what I should say is more. I remember when I was trying to bootstrap an old business and I had read uh, Tim Ferriss's four hour uh, work week. And in to some degree, the four hour work week deals with when it comes to the small menial tasks about your life and your business that you don't want to do. Uh, put all those tasks onto an online personal assistant that is in a country where you can pay them $3 an hour. You pay them for 10 hours. That's 30 bucks a month. And they'll do all that shit for you. And I was like, okay. And then on the same website, it used to be, it's called Upwork now, but it used to be called elands.com. I saw an American woman who wanted $15 an hour for the same job. And I was like, nobody talks about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because you need $15 an hour to probably be comfortable in a lot of places. So, of course, she's going to demand that. She's probably lowballing her skills, too. Because you have all these other people who might have a time difference, but they're $3 an hour, $4 an hour, $5 an hour. It's like, I mean, it's somebody, hopefully someone out there wants the premium so they'll pay for it. But if they're just looking to save money and get it done, no, that person's not going to get hired. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a big net system, and 
Um, you know, we're hearing a lot about it in the way Brexit is working mm-hmm. and how England is now going to have to be tied in with the rest of the world, what that means for countries that are outside of the EU, what that means for countries that are inside the EU. Um, and we're so we're kind of hearing this kind of global um, network speak in regards to that. And that's a fully westernized nation, mm-hmm. you know, so as democracies change and governments change and the populace and voters change in these other countries, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll eventually see one of them rise, you know, like India or China, you know, can continue to build themselves out of third world tier you know, reality, you know, I would think already, you know, China is pushing for a, a f- first world statement, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and they're getting close, they're getting close. And I think if you look at them from their standpoint, how they want us to see, they, they clearly are. We would just say that, you know, you, if you look at the country as a whole, there are definitely some people who are missing from that equation. Uh, and then I'm sure they would look to us and say, well, what's this homeless population in Seattle? You know, how how much of your population is missing? Which is accurate. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, actually, that that might be more accurate. <laughs> is, is, is maybe we're not a first world country. Oh. Yeah. Shit. You know, so uh, maybe that's the kind of real, the real interesting kind of perspective on that. Um, so I guess for my kind of side topic today, um, I want to talk about comedy a little bit, but, uh, I wanted to, uh, just start by giving a a quick, an, uh, eulogy ish to, uh, Mr. Brody Stevens, uh, formerly Stephen Brody. Uh, and then towards the end of his career, he'd go by Stephen Brody Stevens. Uh, he spent some time here in the Seattle area in the nineties. He did a, uh, public access TV show. Uh, was pretty popular. He ended up going to New York to to pursue stand-up comedy uh, and wound up uh, back in his uh, home of Los Angeles, living in the Valley, uh, 818 till he died. Mm. Um, he used to always say, 818 till I die. Um, and oh. he did make that true um, on February 22nd. But uh, his passing marks a, a end of an era in in comedy in the sense that Brody was a individual. He was uh, he was a sports player. He played uh, college baseball, and he just missed the majors by um, basically a, a a knee injury. Oh wow! Um, he easily would have been picked and playing in the majors. And so when his life kind of handed that to him for him to pursue comedy at the fever pitch that he did, um, not being a, a classic writer or producer of of content. Um, he really kind of fell in love with the medium of comedy, and uh, and there'll be nobody like him. There's there, there's probably going to never be a um, a caliber kind of baseball guy like him coming into comedy, but also somebody with his personality, which is um, can be a, a little abrasive. He's loud. He's big. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's got. He's full of energy, and he uh, he was uh, known uh, famously for doing a warm-up for television shows. Oh, He did warm-up for the Chelsea Lately show. Oh, shit, He did warm-up for um, the Best Damn Sports show. He did warm-up for Jeff Ross's The Burn. He did warm-up for At Midnight. Oh, I don't know. He did did warm-up for Ridiculousness. Um, He he just did what he... he Over over 3,000 warm-up appearances. (laughs) Um, The best pitcher in stand-up comedy. Uh, and, and I I just mentioned him because, uh, he, he's the kind of person that didn't 
think in his mind that he probably would be a stand-up comedian. He probably always thought he was going to be a baseball pitcher, but he did. He did become a stand-up comedian, and uh, the community embraced him. And the time he spent in L.A., he became a fixture at the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. Um, You can check out his special on Amazon, live from the main room with Brody Stevens. Um, It's sadly recorded about two years ago, um, and, you know, it's... It's it's an interesting idea. He records just a set without setting it up or anything. So there's um, people that walk out. They were probably expecting a bigger name to come on and, and stuff. And so him kind of handling that, I think if you watch the special expecting it to be a polished um, kind of one-hour special that you're used to, you might be disappointed. Mm. But if you're a fan of, of just live and, and, and improv and comedy and just, like, energy in comedy and what it, what it would be like to watch Brody Stevens at a late-night set in L.A., um, this is the comedy special for you. Um, and so he did that for well over, you know, 15 years. He, he's been a staple there at the Comedy Store um, in that late-night 1230 slot. And so... Um, a, a shout out to him and uh, an acknowledgement. Uh, also, they closed the comedy store. Whoa! Uh, two weeks after his uh, passing, to to host a memorial. Oh, okay, okay. They didn't and close it fully though. No, just okay. for just for that day, which uh, it never happens. Like they don't close for New Year's. They don't close for Christmas. Wow. The comedy store doesn't close. And, you know, other comedians have passed. You know, we lost uh, Ralphie May. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few years back, we lost Harris Whittles and um, uh, Greg uh, Giraldo, um, Patrice O'Neill, all oh, guys yeah, who, who were uh, amazing comedians, Mitch Hedberg, um, and, and were, were, were eulogized by comics and memorials were had for them. But they didn't close the comedy store. And and I think the reason you do that with Brody is because he touched the lives of sports fans. He touched the lives of comedians who are trying to to make their way because mm-hmm. the Comedy Store is a place that also does open mics and stuff. And and he was um, by description from everybody who talked at the memorial the kind of guy who would celebrate you whether you were a headliner or an open micer. Oh shit, that's were, always good. If you were in the business of comedy, then 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 Brody at least gave you the respect to to say hi and um, you know good luck. You know he might not know you enough as a person to to let you into his circle or to be your best friend, but um, I, he wouldn't try and be a negative influence or discourage people from from doing comedy. So, uh with that, I'd say go out, look for some of the, the one of the benefits of the modern era and and his involvement in being in LA is there's plenty of uh Brody footage to go through. He did the Joe Rogan podcast several times. Oh, okay. Uh he did sets with The Meltdown on Comedy Central. He did a 30-minute comedy special for Comedy Central. He's in The Hangover in a scene. Uh, he's in the hangover two and he opens due date. Uh, so, so there's definitely Brody to get out there. Um, go enjoy. He had a podcast called the festival of friendship. Uh, it was pretty great. Uh, he did one right up until the week before he passed. So, uh, go subscribe and listen to that support Brody Stevens, but also, 
support your fellow human out there. Um, he did pass away by suicide, so um, it does kind of bring back the the talk about if you're feeling upset, if you're if you're if you're feeling like you may need help, or you need to talk to people. You know, look look for the the suicide hotline, or even just call your mom, talk to your family, talk to your friends. Someone in your in your in your circle um, wants to hear from you and wants you to to understand. Uh, it gets hard for all of us, mm-hmm. and it's definitely it's a, does. It's a real struggle, and uh, and so his passing is an opportunity again to. to have that conversation and to 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 check yourself self-care and uh and also be kind to your 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 fellow people who are in the struggle together he we're all i'm a comedian i'm in that comedic struggle guys like brody uh kind of push you forward shows you you can do the the comedy thing a little different and then from these memorial um speeches that he was doing that in his own life he was promoting positivity and telling people to to keep going so uh do that for your fellow people you know push people along um if anything i hope uh this kind of brings some people in the comedy circles together um you know just like america we have all different views and 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 points and perspectives and uh and we're all just out there trying to make people laugh that's the one goal we have in common and uh and so i hope i hope that brings some community to us and uh, I hope you, the listener, get to enjoy uh, some of Brody. So that's uh, that's a little bit of a of a sadder uh, break in, but um, in in light there that you you have some laughs ahead of you um, if you go and experience that. So do that. And uh, with that, I'd also say um, if you check out Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> There are so many comedy specials. There really Bert, are. Burt Kreischer's The Machine finally got added, which was on Showtime. So, oh, okay. Uh, check that out if you wish. Um, no, just trying to trying to end the bit with a little joke, but uh, I, thought, I, thought I'd the, I thought I'd do the Netflix callback. I guess that yeah, that's going to be our show on Netflix. It'll be called Callbacks. <laughs> Fifteen minute callback settings. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise in in our world, uh, it's bracket time. Oh yeah, March in NCAA March Madness. Um, Gonzaga still in the hunt. Good old Washington fan oh, favorite, yeah. and Oregon from the Pac-12 is oh, uh, making it. a little headway. We'll see what they did today. Is um, Duke still in it? Duke's still in it. Michigan's still in it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll we'll see. It was Gonzaga to get the number one seed overall, but they did stumble their way in, losing to St. Mary's in the WCC tournament. So, oh, okay. Uh, they they got their third loss of the season going into the uh, to the bracket, but they only had three losses. So Damn, they were the number one team. Um, so yeah, shout out to Gonzaga over there on the Spokane side, the Seattle of the East in in Washington <laughs> State. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the Boise of the West? I don't know. Oh my god! I don't know. I, I remember Idaho. I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I know. My mom used to live in Burns, Oregon, and I was like, "You live in Idaho, Oregon? You really live in?" Oh man, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what else uh, do you have, man? Probably the final segment of our show here. Uh, Anything else you want to leave the listeners uh, knowing or hearing or? Uh, let me see. You know what? Not really. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just slowly getting back into 
and the, the weekly grind of checking out uh media and such like the whole reason why i missed the momo thing is because i was like i'm vegging out and i'm playing video games because yeah. i need to take a break from this news cycle and i just saw i saw it smatterings i saw people posting you know like i get i get a lot of my news uh well i get a lot of my reactions to the news from facebook uh and uh, i think i have a a pretty diverse group of friends to some degree like we're we're mostly left-leaning but there's some smatterings of people who aren't so it's interesting to see their uh reactions to things so i knew about momo from that but i only knew some people saying like y'all being stupid this is fake or and some people are like this is really crazy yeah i don't care (laughs) and because they didn't feel like it, it just felt like red like that blue dress white dress thing again uh, yeah that's yeah. what it felt like and i was like I, I don't really think i need to care about this cultural phenomenon at the moment what was the other one yeah yanni oh yeah yanni and laurel, laurel <laughs> Yarl, Laurel, right it, and i love how those things go like at least with those it's always like no and actually i think maybe we can end on how those things are a cultural phenomenon of how we um consume things and how we like perceive things because the whole red uh red and no sorry black and blue or white and gold was a whole trick of the eye and depending on like if you looked at something you were kind of seeing a negative image of the dress and uh, and because of that negative image it inverts the colors and that's why you could see black and blue and uh white and gold but it's always starts to have people going like no it's definitely this color right right no it's definitely this color and i feel like when i saw that i was always like this is the reason why eyewitness testimony should be taken with a grain of salt because like even our perception is flawed right and circumstances can change whether or not like if we saw it fully or something i think they cover that in my cousin Vinny the movie Mm, interesting (laughs) tay leone and uh oh yeah joe pesci i think i think there's a moment where the they cross-examine the witness and it was like maybe it was a green car (laughs) maybe it was a green car (laughs) right or maybe it was a brown car Mm -hmm. (laughs) how are you gonna know the difference exactly um yeah they did one on the uh there was this show that was on, called Scientific American Frontiers, mm. hosted by Alan Alda on PBS in the late 90s, early 2000s, and they did one on the malleability of memory. Yeah. And, and they showed a, they had him, they gave him the direction, like, we're going to come to the park and we're going to count something. And then when they took him to the park, he sat down at this bench and they just talked for like 20 minutes. And there was a group on a on a picnic table in front of them, or on a picnic, on a picnic uh having a picnic on a blanket and uh and basically then they walked away and without having the direct knowledge of trying to remember things mm-hmm. they asked alan alda about the things that were going on in the picnic oh shit and how quickly he would add things like an umbrella or they had wine when they had beer or they had cheese when they had crackers you know mm. like like it's just because you start to lead your mind down what you think there should be mm-hmm. between what you actually saw and that's something we do all the time with our own memories oh yeah yeah Kind of like, I don't really remember when we started this podcast, but it's probably time for us to call it a close. So, uh, yeah. I would say, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can. At C-Town Mayor on the Twitter sphere. 
um, also unedited PDX on Instagram. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, it's hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com. Uh, give us an email. Give us a shout out. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Chaz, how can they get at you, man? Uh, you can find me at chaz.baz on the Twitter sphere. Um, yeah, hit me up there. I, I know. But finally, one of these days, I'm actually going to get off my lazy ass and post on Twitter and try to engage with it like it is because it's for, you know, us who are in the political sphere and want to understand it better. That's where a lot of like the nitty gritty sort of uh, conversations and responses to, you know, misinformation and stuff happen over there. So I want to try my best to be a part of it, but I also want to make sure I do my best to do it in the right way. So that's kind of why I've been holding off, but also I just haven't put the time in and made the time for it. So it's kind of me being a procrastinating lazy ass at the same time, too. So, you know, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. Well, uh, Chaz, it's been a solid one. Indeed, indeed. Good, good to go back to the old strategy one-on-ones for episode 70. Indeed. Uh, you have a good one, man. It's been fun. Yeah, you as well. Uh, take care, everybody. See you next time. Enjoy it. Don't forget to be awesome. Skateboard. Just keep going and don't look back. And look forward from where you're at. There's some jealousy.